the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. Well, this is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development with KGNW. I always enjoy this time together each week as we share testimonies and stories from local pastors and ministry leaders as they proclaim the faithfulness of God in their lives. I like to emphasize the fact that this program is about the faithfulness of God. The key verse in my life, my life's verse, is from Psalm 37, verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. And I like to say that the first 40 years of my life, I focused on my faithfulness to God. And that's a good thing. But the last 40 years, my hope and desire is to focus on his faithfulness to me because it's so much greater in my life as God has been faithful throughout the years and the seasons of my life. I love to hear the stories of people who share how God has been faithful in their lives. And with me today is Pastor Aaron Williams. He's the senior pastor at Mount Zion Baptist Church here in Seattle. And uh, Aaron, welcome to Heart of the City. Thank you, Chuck. I'm glad to be here. It's good to see you. We've known each other for oh, probably about five years or so yeah. and had a chance to share breakfast together at 13 Coins every once in a while and, yeah. and uh, just uh, see each other at various functions throughout the city. So I appreciate uh, you being here today. How long have you been pastor at Mount Zion? I've been pastor for eight years now, going on nine. Nine years. Yes. yes. And, and uh, Dr. McKinney is still uh, there, Pastor McKinney? Yes, Pastor Emeritus uh, Dr. McKinney is still doing well. Uh-huh. Uh, he comes to church from time to time. And uh, he's doing well. Well, that the I was thinking about Mount Zion the other day, and just recognizing that that church uh, is a uh, obviously a well-known church in this area that's been around for how many years? A hundred and twenty-six years. Hundred and twenty-six. Yes. A lot of history in that church, and and a lot of people have uh, are are in heaven now that are have been members of that congregation throughout the years who've uh, gotten to know Jesus and, and uh, ha- have been ministered to through Mount Zion Baptist Church. So, well, talk to us about your life. Tell us uh, where you grew up. Uh, what, uh, what part of the country did you grow up in, Aaron? I grew up in Augusta, Georgia. Augusta. Augusta, Georgia. Uh, it's... Um about two hours from Atlanta, Georgia. Most people uh, frame a reference of Augusta, Georgia is uh, the Masters Golf Tournament or home of James Brown. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. Uh, Do you identify more with James Brown or golf? Both. Both. (laughs) Both. Uh, Growing up in Augusta uh, in high school, 
uh, there was uh, most of the high schools in Augusta had a golf course or a golf class. And so you, you had to learn how to play at least a little bit of golf mm-hmm. uh, growing up in Augusta. And pretty much there was a golf course on every corner as you lived out in the suburbs. So you had a golf course everywhere. Yeah. So do you get back home very often? Once a year, I usually go home uh, for Thanksgiving uh-huh. or either uh, Christmas. Uh, but sen- since I've been a pastor, it's been a little difficult trying to make my way home. Usually I try to do it right after Thanksgiving or right after Christmas. Uh huh. Well, I got to ask this because, you know, you're talking about the Masters. Our general manager actually got to go to the Masters last oh, really? year. You ever had a chance to be out to the course at all for, for the Masters or at least out to the course? Never. I've never, never had an opportunity to be out to the course. Um, Probably a lot of locals would be the, be the same way, right? They yes. They hear about it, but they don't get to be out there. Exactly. Too expensive. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Even though it's right on a, a major road and there's a, a huge fence that kind of separates uh, the national from from the road that you're driving down, so you never really get a chance to see the the course. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's always one of those things. Love to watch it on TV, at least. So, talk to me about your life. You mentioned high school. What was your life like back uh, when you were in high school? Uh, were you involved in sports? Uh, what was your passion? I played uh, football uh, in high school, and uh, it was really during high school that I uh, began to take my relationship with Jesus Christ uh, very seriously. I was raised uh, in the church. I was raised by my grandmother. Uh, my grandmother was uh, kind of one of those uh, church stateswomen. She went to church uh, every time the church doors opened. Uh, she went to 11 o'clock service. Uh, she went to a 3 o'clock service somewhere. She sung in the choir. And so most of my upbringing was in church, but... The church wasn't in me, mm. and it wasn't until uh, high school that God really began to do a work on my heart and draw me closer to himself, and uh, I began to take uh, the Bible seriously, began to read the Bible along with uh, reading textbooks, and I must say that when I was in high school, uh, just reading the Bible and my relationship with, with Christ made me a better student. Hmm. Uh, I realized that uh, that scripture that says, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God, whether you eat or drink. And I began to take that seriously and began to realize that my relationship with with Christ uh, demands excellence. And so it really began to trickle over into my studies. I began to take my studies more seriously when I began to walk with the Lord. You know, I relate to that. You know, when I look at my grade cards, ninth grade, sophomore year, um, not a very good student, you know. Yeah. But when I took, as a sophomore, late sophomore year of high school, started taking my relationship with the Lord seriously, you could see it in my grades. Yeah. Very, very definite bump. Now, I was never an A student. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would have been a miracle. <laughs> but but the seriousness of my studies were obvious as far as the great my my grade card is concerned. Yes. Yes. It's amazing how the Lord begins to mend uh, one's mind whether it's a young person or someone who's gone through serious addictions when the word starts to get engrafted in their heart there's something that changes in the mind, isn't there? A- absolutely. 
You know, God says that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And uh, when I begin to read the scriptures, it began to uh, open up a whole new world for me mm-hmm. in thinking that, you know, as a Christian, God demands more of, more of me and I want to make God look good. And uh, so as I began to study the word of God and begin to it began to get into my my blood system, mm-hmm. uh, I began to think in uh, of the possibilities of, of being a Christian and where God could take me. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. So I began to think of that and take that seriously, that God has some plans for me, so it's time for me to get with God's plan and stay with his plan. I can uh, somehow, when I hear you talking, I can see a praying grandma. Absolutely. Grandma had to have been praying for you, for a young person like that to begin to develop that hunger and thirst for spiritual things. Absolutely. My my grandmother, um, and it was years later, she had recorded a tape of her singing songs, but also praying. And the, and the tape was recorded in 1981, and she left it to her children. I guess she thought maybe she was getting ready to pass in 81. And it wasn't until years later that we came across this tape. And uh, there was a prayer on, on that tape where she prayed for her grandchildren mm. and prayed for her children. And uh, she sung sang a series of songs that she loved. And I put that tape on CD, mm-hmm. and I listened to it from time to time uh, just to hear a voice and for spiritual encouragement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, she left such a great legacy, uh, a legacy of, of love for the church, love for her family, and love for the Lord, that uh, it, it made a huge impact on, on me. Uh, that there's not a Sunday that goes by that I don't think about the impact that my grandmother has made mm-hmm. on my life. Mm-hmm. Now, as a young person growing up, uh, you know, as a teenager, uh, were, were, were you think of estranged by your friends? Did the, or did, <laughs> okay, you've got this, this teenager who, uh, who loves the Lord and is serious about God, and you've got these other kids in school who are thinking, who is this guy? Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a, a total change in me, uh, even, to, even so to the point where, uh, the young lady that I was dating at the time in high school, uh, I met her mother, and her mother said, oh, this is the preacher boy you were talking about. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Had you talked about preaching at all, or was that just kind of a term that she used? It was just the term that she used. Uh, I would, you know, share scriptures, and I would often, you know, there was a night and day change. I was listening to rap music in, in my car, and then all of a sudden all I was listening to was Christian music. Uh-huh. And so with my girlfriend, when I, when she got in my car, she heard Christian music. And obviously she thought something was wrong. <laughs> she thought maybe you were putting her on or something like, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> when's this going to change over? <laughs> So obviously the Lord began to work in your heart in a serious way and got through high school. 
what was your decision process like to go on then to college, or what were what were you thinking? You know, I had no intentions of going to college when I graduated from high school. I um, got a job working at the airport um, at a at an aviation uh, company called uh, Garrett Aviation, and I worked there. Uh, my first job, I was 18 years old, uh, washed airplanes, and um, then I became an engine parts cleaner. Uh, it was a great job, made good money, and then God began tugging on my heart. You know, you need to go to school. And my church family said, where are you going to school? And I said, well, I'm not going to school. I just want to work. And uh, and I remember my pastor saying to me one day, he said, son, you need to go to school. You need to go to college, and uh, we'll help you get to school. We'll help you get in college. And uh, he did. He, he put his money where his mouth was wow. and uh, helped me get in college. And uh, I graduated with a bachelor's degree in sociology at Payne College. And uh, with was there an intent in your heart as far as what you wanted to do with that? Absolutely. Uh, when I turned 19, I shared with my pastor that felt like I had been called to preach. Okay. And uh, so he he watched me for a year, a year or two, make sure that I was serious about it. And and uh, I began to teach Sunday school and showing up at Bible study every every Wednesday. And uh, and so I announced my calling to preach uh, at this little church in, in Augusta, Georgia, called Somerville Baptist Church, and um, uh, preached my first sermon when I was 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, right after that, I started school, right after I preached my first sermon. Interesting. And that pastor was kind of mentoring you and helping to bring you along. Yes, he, he took me under his wings. He, he showed me what it was like to uh, be a minister, uh, what it looks like. Uh, he took me uh, to visit the sick, uh, to uh, witness him doing weddings and serving communion. So he, he really took me under his wings and showed me what it looked like. Uh, uh, one of my professors used to always say, every Timothy needs a Paul. Mm-hmm. And every Ruth needs a Naomi. And uh, he was certainly my Paul during those early years of ministry and helped me sharpen my ministerial teeth as I uh, got involved more and more in ministry. Yeah. So what happened after college then, after uh, y- your first four years? After college, I uh, graduated from college, and um, immediately my plan was to attend seminary. Uh, I had a dream of attending Dallas Theological Seminary. I had been sitting under the teaching of Tony Evans Mm -hmm. uh, on the radio, listening to him every day, and just loved how he handled the Word of God. And uh, I I had a dream that that I could go to seminary, go to Dallas Seminary, and just felt the only problem was it was too far away from home. Uh, I was a mama's boy. I loved my grandmother, and I kept thinking, uh, what would my grandmother do if I left Augusta and moved to Dallas? Uh, what would my mother do? And so for two years, I just, just decided not to go to seminary. I actually started attending a seminary right there in Augusta. Mm-hmm. And even though I was at in the right place, uh, I was in the wrong place because I knew where God wanted me to mm-hmm. be. And I... I bet in Grandma's heart she was ready for you to launch you. 
you know, in some ways, or was she? She wasn't. She she, she wanted. <laughs> she did not want me to move uh-huh, to Dallas. She uh-huh. said, "Son, you stay right here. You, yeah. you'll be all right. You stay right here. Attend school here." Yeah. And uh, she was the matriarch of our family, and she was very spoiled. She she was used to us uh-huh. visiting her every day, uh, going to her home and eating dinner with her, and so uh, for. Just the thought of one of her children or grandchildren moving away from Augusta uh, frightened her. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. So, so what what brought you to that point where where you decided Dallas was where I needed to go? Well, I was still working uh, at the airport, and I was I was working in the morning and going to school in the evening, and then my schedule changed, and I started. Uh, going to school in the morning and working in the evening. And um, God created a series of events where I lost my job. Hmm. And uh, I knew that I was going to lose my job because I kept saying to God, Lord, give me a little bit more time and I'll I'll move to Dallas. And I guess God uh, called my bluff on it mm-hmm. and uh, removed all the obstacles that would keep me from going to seminary. And so I talked with my wife. I thought it would be an, an issue with her. And when I first shared it with her, she, she said, okay, let's go. And I was shocked that she didn't have a problem with it. And so shortly thereafter, in 97, we moved to Dallas, Texas, and I attended seminary full time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a culture shock moving from a small city like Augusta and moving to a city of two million people uh, was uh, overwhelming, uh, but it was clear that God was in the mix; that He was with us. Well, and and we've we've spoken before. You had some great profs at at uh, Dallas Theological Seminary. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Dr. Howard Hendricks uh, was probably my favorite professor. Um, he mentored me. Uh, when I was working on my master's thesis, I met with him every week, uh, just poured into so many of us. And there were a lot of great professors there, but he was the one who stood out the most uh, because he was so down to earth. Um, even though he had been teaching there for 50-plus years, even at that time, uh, very caring, very concerned. Uh, Dr. Thomas Constable, who taught me, I took a class on him, uh, from him on prayer, and it totally revolutionized my life. Uh, and uh, it's just, it was a, a blessing to attend Dallas Seminary. Well, lots of lots of great churches and, and pastors in in, uh, in Dallas for sure. Of course, Doctor Tony Evans uh, down there in in the Dallas area, correct? Yes. And yes. as well as. Uh, uh, First Baptist Church, uh, Dr. Jeffress uh, is is down there now. He's on our station. So a lot of good preaching, a lot of great pastors, a lot of great churches down there. Absolutely. A lot of mega churches down there. <laughs> uh, but it, it is, uh, it's the Bible Belt. Uh, it's a, a great place to do ministry, and it prepared me in, uh, for ministry here in Seattle. So how did you get that call to come to Mount Zion? What, uh, as far as... What? Uh, w- how did the Lord work that out for you as far as coming here? It was a very in- interesting journey. Uh, my wife uh, taught at Mountain View uh, 
uh, community college in uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, back in two, 2005, 2006, and she was uh, taking a group of students here to honor students to a leadership conference. And she invited me to, to come with her and the students. And I said, well, I've never been to Seattle before. Uh, it be a great trip. So um, uh, I came here with her to Seattle, and we were here for a week. And um, um, we were here for a whole week. There was no rain. The weather was perfect. Everybody said it rains in Seattle, but I didn't see any rain that week. And so on Sunday, uh, we were scheduled to leave at 1 o'clock. And um, my custom is always to go to church on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. So I went on the Internet, looked up churches in, in Seattle, and Mount Zion came up. And they had a 7.30 service, so I got in the rental car, uh, went straight up Madison, and attended the worship service at uh, Mount Zion that Sunday morning. Uh, Reverend McKinney uh, wasn't preaching that morning. It was a gentleman by the name of Calvin Jones uh, who played football for UW and played pro football. And he was preaching that morning. I was sitting in the back uh, of the church, and God gave me a a strong sense of his presence. Um, and I felt like I would be coming back there one day. Hmm. And, With, and you had no expectation no that it, that was not on your heart in any way. No expectation. But the Lord impressed that on you. Yes, yes. That was in 2000, April, May of 2006. And I didn't, didn't really think much of it. Um, uh, we went back to Dallas, and I graduated in May. And I started sending my resumes out to different uh, churches. And there was a website that uh, showed uh, vacant pulpits. And uh, to my uh, dismay, I noticed that uh, Mount Zion uh, was looking for a pastor. Mm -hmm. And the Spirit just uh, just leaped out of me and said, apply for that that position and I started doing research and I said well Lord this church uh, is a very historic church very, yeah the pastor has been there for 40 plus years I, and I began to reason with the Lord <laughs> and the Lord said send it anyway I said but well, Lord they they're looking for someone who has a master's and uh, preferred doctorate degree and, Lord, this, uh, I've never passed it before. And the Lord said, send it anyway. And uh, so I was very hesitant. Uh, the cutoff date was November 23rd. And I sent my resume and do a series of interviews by April of the next year. Uh, they called, they interviewed me by August. They, they brought me up and interviewed me again. And then I became, uh, they voted in January of the following year, 2007, I became the pastor. Wow. Yes. It's amazing how the Lord can place that thought in your mind that in, in times in the future, that he'll, if, if that's of him, he'll bring it to pass, won't he? Absolutely. You know, and, Absolutely. and uh, a previous program not too long ago, I was talking to someone about knowing the will of God, and, and we were talking about that. It's uh, of not necessarily having any thoughts about it, having 
the key, the word that I'm looking for is have no thought of your own in the matter. It's like the Lord yes. somehow, sometimes gives you that impression. He doesn't say what's going to happen. He just gives you that impression and lets it kind of percolate there for a while, doesn't he? Yes, yes. And, I, and it may be a month. It could be five years, but he'll, he can bring it to pass. That's Damn. true, because I was number 99. Uh, that was the pulpit search committee called me number 99. I was the last person to send my resume in. Wow. <laughs> well, he, he he the Lord the Lord found a way, didn't he? And yes. you're here and and I've had a chance to be uh there in the congregation and and hear you preach, Aaron, and and uh I love to listen to you preach. Thank you, sir. Yeah, some some a great service uh uh for the, those of you KGNW listeners that um that would love to hear uh, a great message uh, at Mount Zion uh, with Pastor Aaron Williams. You can go to the website at mountzion.net, and you can see the service times and uh, get some more information about the church. Uh, Pastor Aaron Williams, thanks for joining me today on Heart of the City. My pleasure. been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on KGNW, call Chuck Olmsted at 206-269-6216 or go to KGNW.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.